0: Guys, you're listening to the Unlucky Frog Gaming Podcast. Uh, your usual hosts, uh, Josh Hartley and Ben Porter. Ben, how are you doing? Doing good. Uh, been busy a busy couple of weeks. It has. It has. We've got quite a lot to uh, catch up on. I, I suppose our main feature uh, this this week we're gonna, uh, much like the uh, uh, United States recently had their State of the Union address. Yeah. We are gonna give our State of the Kickstarter. Address.
1: Well, because there's been a couple of things that are bothering us a little bit. Yeah. Th- that we wanted to talk about.
0: Yeah. But, um, I mean, first of all, what what have you been up to uh, since since we last recorded?
1: Well, the main thing was we were through in Stirling last week. Aye. Um, for the, I guess it was a, it, it was supposed to be Shadespire organised play. Mm-hmm. But it became a Shadespire friendly, I guess you could call it. Yeah, so there's just a group of four of us playing Shadespire.
0: It was was good fun, uh, and it was nice just to play against some people that I haven't played against. We had a big multiplayer game. Uh, I think you've gotten over, gotten over my betrayal.
1: Yeah, I I think well I I feel like my little Age of Sigmar victory made up for it.
0: That's true. You did. you did wipe me and Scott off the face of the earth uh, in Age of Sigma yep. as part of our campaign. We kind of uh, so so what happened was we were playing. It was a cool little scenario, actually. Is it from the Fire uh, Slayers book?
1: Yeah, so it's one of the things that they've been doing with. They call them battle tomes now, mm-hmm. um, because forty k its codexes. Mm-hmm. So Age of Sigma has battle tomes because that sounds very medieval.
0: Also, copyrightable
1: correct <laughs> which may or may not have been a motivation yeah but um so what, one of the the things they've been doing with all the the battle tomes for for Age of Sigmar is that they they come with two or three battle plans mm-hmm. which scenarios to the 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 wargaming veterans out mm-hmm. there and they 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 recreate specific uh, um Battles and scenarios that 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 showcase the strengths of that army, mm-hmm. um, or, or just in fitting with their fluff.
0: Yeah, and in this particular one, it was almost like a dungeon crawl. All your forces started at one end of the table, yep, and then it, if you imagine there was like an imaginary wall uh, between, like, the end tile and the middle tile. And you had to sort of snake your way around and uh, me and Scott would allocate which ones of our forces would pop out where. So it was a really cool, um, really cool scenario. Your objective was to kill our uh, general, the the sort of end boss. Uh, And you did this by popping up some uh, shooty... Uh, shooting yeah, guys like yeah, really, at, right at the end, just to assassinate yeah. him. Yeah, they they're they're called Oric Hearthguard. Shoot, and... shoot, shooting naked dwarfs is how I think of them. Absolutely.
1: And so, So, one of the rules with the Fire Slayer Army is that the there's a priest that you get called a mm-hmm. Rune Smiter, which is basically the Fire Slayer's version of like a Rune Lord or mm-hmm. a Rune Priest, and he uh, can pick one unit in the army mm-hmm. and they can come up in any movement phase of the controlling player's choosing mm-hmm. anywhere on the board as long as they're 9 inches away from an enemy unit mm-hmm. and it, the rule's called magmic tunnelling and it ba- basically represents the rune smiter boring a hole through the earth nice, and bursting his way up and allowing...
0: Is shouting, surprise, mother, yeah, yeah. <laughs> as soon as he <laughs> props up.
1: Yeah, which was, uh, ju- judging by the looks on your faces, I think it was a bit of a...
0: Yeah, support. we kind of forgot about them. Yeah. Um, <laughs> but, but it wasn't to say that it wasn't without our own minor victory. Scott and I had a secret mission in the campaign to kill the enemy general, and kill the enemy general we did. With the aid of uh,
1: the Death Star <laughs> laser and a banshee, yeah, just screaming him to death. Just a wee it's... Michael Jackson scream to finish ah! him
0: off. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but uh, it was a good game, though. Good game. We've we've got another one lined up. Yeah, uh, we've g- been we've been matched
1: again, haven't we?
0: Yeah, so uh, we'll let you know how that one goes.
1: And that we will be using the Malign Portents. Yes, rules. I think
0: we're going to wait for the new Malign Portents to come out before we have that battle. Yeah. So we'll let you know what we think of them. Hopefully, they give Death a little bit of a boost.
1: Oh, they will. I, th- I think um, there are specific rules for playing in mm-hmm. the Realm of Death. Right. But then there's generic stuff. Um, the, the the Malign Portents themselves, mm-hmm. the idea is that uh, wizards and priests mm-hmm. who are more receptive to. The you know things going on in the in the ether mm-hmm. as it were can actually interpret these omens, mm-hmm. and it has an effect on the battlefield. Mm-hmm. Which is a really cool idea. Yeah,
0: it's neat. Yeah. So uh, yeah, looking forward to that. Uh, in terms of what else, uh, what, uh, what else have we been doing then since we? Well, when when
1: when we go to Stirling we usually like to you know to pick up a game, mm. support your local game store everybody
0: yep not so local in in this case to be yeah. fair but um we so we we picked up a game each one we are yet to play i picked up nomads which uh, caught my eye way back in the coverage of essen
1: yeah that's right uh,
0: really nice looking game i uh, cannot wait to try it uh, but you picked up uh possibly the critics choice of well last year and this year I think I, I think in some regions it released in January 2018 um, yeah but it, it's
1: been, it's been out uh, 2017 it came out um, yeah. for the UK um, fog of love
0: yes so this is this is the game that, that critics are currently gushing over uh, and in it you uh, you role play through a relationship i mean it, there's some people are describing it as a rom-com uh generator i, I don't think it's it, it's quite that i think in it, it, if anything it's potentially a lot darker than your average rom-com or it certainly has potential to be
1: yeah i mean uh, it is it, to me it it felt as though it, it had like a lot of similarities to uh other storytelling mm-hmm. engine style games that we've played like um they, they're they're quite far apart as far as theme goes, but I I think there were a lot of things that were quite similar to Tales of Arabian Nights.
0: Yeah, it's an interesting uh, it's an interesting comparison to draw on, but uh, I I know where you're coming from. It's it, in so much as you know, the There's, winner and the lose your own adventure. Yeah, yeah, the the winner and the loser seems almost irrelevant, and yeah. it's just trying to build this story. Um, my, our first impressions, and we've only played a couple of games of it, but uh, really polished. Very, very slick design. Yeah. Uh, right down to the fact that when you're opening it up, they have um, they have it set. You're not supposed to shuffle the cards at all because they have it set up for a tutorial uh first game and that went re- like I, I was really impressed with how well they pulled that off i've heard of other games doing it but uh this is the first time i've actually seen it myself and uh it it, it gets you really up to speed with how the game works uh that being said would never want to go through the tutorial again no way
1: <laughs> no because I, I, we both said that it, it, it's one of these things like the, the first uh dozen cards or so that you go through, you're like, oh, this is really cool, this is a good way to introduce the game. Mm. By the time you're at 30+, plus, you're just losing the will to live. It is a very, very long tutorial.
0: Yeah. But it, it does what it needs to do, as in it teaches you how to play the game.
1: It does, but at the same time, I feel like th- this is one of the complaints that people have, have been making of uh, of Japanese video games. Mm-hmm. when they were still in their slump you know before obviously breath of the wild and yeah, super mario yeah, yeah. odyssey and all that the hand holding mm-hmm. because it, it it diminishes the the joy of discovery and i know that you want people to understand how your game works but at the same time pe- people are actually very curious and you you should trust mm-hmm. that your game is interesting enough that it is going to trigger that curiosity mm-hmm. that that everybody has, and I, 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 I feel like they didn't have to make it as long-winded as they did.
0: No, maybe not. I mean, overall, I was still, um, I still thought it was a good thing to include. Yeah, uh, yeah I would say maybe so. maybe have a like a simplified version yeah. of the rules of the, the it tutorial, was, yeah. and then and then go into more depth in the manual.
1: So Shade Spire does it. I mean, mm-hmm. you've seen that Shade Spire's yes. got the a tutorial that you play through. Yes. But it's very, very quick. Mm-hmm. And the the way that Fog of Love did its tutorial was the first time I've seen that in a game where you, you actually work your way through the decks yeah. and you draw cards that are going to explain the next thing. It, it, it did feel very much like when you, you're playing through a game for the first time and then the little bubble pops up mm-hmm. when you open up a new sub-menu mm-hmm. for the first
0: time. It was quite similar to that. Or maybe when that damn paperclip crops up <laughs> in microsoft word it started
1: to feel a bit more like I that see- towards the end
0: <laughs> i see you're playing a storytelling based yeah. game
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs>
1: but um i i do think that the way that shade did its tutorial mm. was a lot better yeah. because it covers all the basics of the games it's very short and once you've done that you can adequately explain how the game works to
0: other players yeah.
1: without having to do that again. Sure.
0: Yeah. But back I mean back to Fog of Love, I think our I think it's fair to say our initial our initial um response to it or impression of it is positive, but I'm not sure if it's deserving all the hype that it is getting
1: no and it cuz one of the things that a lot of people are saying is that you 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 play through a relationship mhm which is true to an extent but it actually feels like it, i mean the, the game's been described as a romantic comedy generator
0: mm-hmm.
1: to me it feels more like a a montage of a romance yeah. at the moment because it will be it'll be quite disjointed because you you know one minute you're doing the first date and the next minute you uh, have to make breakfast in bed for your. I mean, th- maybe the date went really, really well. Maybe, <laughs> but um, or really badly, depending on how you how you interpret that. Yeah. <laughs> but um, I don't know it, and then and then you're suddenly on a trip to IKEA, which is that's that that is definitely quite far down a relationship. Yes. If you're doing that, so I although although you go through this whole. Character creation process of like picking your occupation and uh, you get your traits and mm-hmm. your features and all that. I didn't really feel like I had this character developing through it all because the narrative that unfolded felt so disjointed.
0: Yeah, yeah, I know what you mean, and I, I this might be something that they. It, So we've only played through the sort of first scenario. Yeah. Uh, There are other scenarios included in the box, and I understand that they're going to release expansions with even more. So this might be something that they do address, because uh, the next one, I think, is called High School Sweethearts, which is where your relationship starts in high school and then develops over a longer period of time. So maybe, I don't know. We haven't played this section yet, so maybe you split out some of the, the different cards so that they can only happen in certain stages of your relationship. Yeah. Um, uh, I, I don't know. Like I, I've, I've enjoyed both games we've played. Mm-hmm. Uh, I've I, I found it quite funny, um, but I don't quite think it is deserving all the hype that it is getting
1: it's it's fairly reasonably priced for such a Mm. a polished game yeah and i think it looks
0: great as well oh yeah it
1: looks stunning yeah it's i mean it's it's one of these games that it's a joy to open Mm -hmm. and it and considering how much is going on in the game pretty quick to set up as well yeah
0: very clinical looking and i'm wondering if that's a deliberate Thing because a lot of it is rooted in like the the game was designed by I believe he was a psychologist. So,
1: but right, but mm. purely in the way that the you know like the the graphics choices that they've made, it stands out from mm. all the other games in the shops, which have either got spaceships and lasers on them or goblins and swords or something like that. Yeah, you've got this white box with the blue silhouette of a man and the pink sil- silhouette of a woman, and it says "Fall of Love." Yeah, it, it's it's like uh, they've taken a bit of a a leaf out of uh, Apple's playbook as far mm. as packaging
0: goes, or well, maybe even the Beatles' White Album. Yeah, that like,
1: yeah, <laughs> that that very stripped down and minimalist.
0: And, yeah, uh, and yeah, and you're right. The the theme itself, and maybe this is why it's getting a lot of attention because it is it is so different to what we normally get with tabletop games and that should be encouraged, right? It's great that we're doing things that aren't just hitting things with the sword, but at the same time, um, yeah, we're still playing through it. We're still still
1: playing through it, but um, I I would say as well that um, for for people that maybe haven't heard any uh, critiques of the game and they've just played through that section of the game, that might be what makes them decide to go onto a buy, swap and sell group and get rid of it. Yeah. Because the fact of the matter is that most people are probably only going to play that first section of the game.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's absolutely fair. Well, we'll, we'll let you know what our thoughts are when we've played a little bit more of it as well, if, if, if they've updated. I've, 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 I kind of... Uh, I kind of expect me to feel the same way about it. I think it's a so. good game, but maybe not a great game. Yeah, I I think that
1: one of the things that I said to Charlotte the other day is that I I feel like I could I could play this with any of the girls in our book club and they mm-hmm. would enjoy it. Yes. So I I think that it it has value alone for the fact that it's something that you could play with someone that has absolutely no inclination towards tabletop games mm-hmm. and they could still enjoy it. So if you are looking for a a, a game uh that and you're maybe struggling to find someone that if, if, sorry you're struggling to find a game that would be of interest to someone that has no desire mm-hmm. to play tabletop games then i would I would maybe say get fog of love for that
0: yeah absolutely absolutely anyway so um now that we've kind of caught up on where we are with our various gaming. Uh, gaming escapades. Should we chat about Kickstarter? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um, I, I'm.
1: I'm trying. I'm trying really hard not to be negative about it because mm-hmm.
0: I'm just going to let him out. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> the 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 cat was. The cat had somehow injured its way into the unlucky frog studio it's uh, very sneaky he is he is we thought we'd let him out earlier yeah he's, snuck but he's back just in when we were on a break I back think. in uh, anyway
1: yeah so i'm i'm trying i'm trying hard not to be overtly negative about it mhm but I, I feel i feel like every time I hear about a big project on Kickstarter at the moment, and I have to say it is the big ones, I I, I don't really have any complaint with, with small outfits using them whenever I hear about a, a big project on Kickstarter recently it's just got me feeling a bit
0: <sighs> So when you say big project, I mean uh, what companies are we talking about here?
1: Uh, specifically Cool Mini or not Mm-hmm. Uh, and to to some extent as well, monolith. Yeah. Um, because one of the things that that's become an increasingly popular and for me worrying trend is the Kickstarter exclusives.
0: Yeah. The big, uh, the big one recently was, uh, was it Cool Mini or not? Who did Hate? Hate, yeah. Hate
1: I think, has just finished. It smashed yeah. all its goals. Because... Yeah,
0: as as predicted, yeah. as foretold. Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, so I, I think we've got a problem uh, for a couple of reasons with this. One, for me, it jars with what Kickstarter's intended purpose was. Yeah. To me, Kickstarter is supposed to be about you know uh small startups small companies individuals who have this creative project that they want to get off the ground but it's it, it's a way of raising funds for that yeah right uh for for things that you'd never get a bank loan
1: i for. mean uh, the thing is we've seen some amazing stuff from mm-hmm. kickstarter because the fact of the matter is that it's big companies that that have pushed people into kickstarter mm-hmm. Because big companies just don't want to take risks on new ideas. Yeah. Um. Like, uh, it's 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 not tabletop, but um, the 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 former rare staff formed mm-hmm. Platonic Games and made Ukulele. Yes. Which is a spiritual successor to Banjo Kazooie. Yes. Big publishers thought that n- no one was interested in three D platformers anymore, and they were completely wrong. Mm. Hmm. But they 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 just look at spreadsheets.
0: Yeah. Exactly. So that, that's one problem and I suppose another problem we have, and we, we talked to Steve from Common Ground Games about this in the upcoming episode with him. It's quite I,
1: interesting hearing the retailer's perspective on it all as yeah, well. Yeah,
0: yeah. But it's the fact that with particularly with Kickstarter exclusive games right, everyone, everyone goes and gets it if they're interested, but then no community's fostered. There's no further support. No. For competitive play, organised play expansions that sort of thing Uh, and it just stagnates and dies
1: It's counterintuitive to tabletop gaming as well Mm. because if you start start bypassing the the retailers, and and this is for me where it becomes a a really worrying trend if you start bypassing the the retailers and people are just buying games through Kickstarter all the time Mm Mm-hmm it has to be said that not all Kickstarters do this. A lot of them do offer uh, retailer pledges, yeah. where they they'll sell them a bundle of games mm-hmm. at a slight discount, on the, under the provision that they have a brick and mortar store. Yeah. Um, so it does mean that uh, you know you can go in with your copy, or you can go in and buy your copy, and you can meet a group of folk that also mm-hmm. want to play that game, and it is as further in that 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 sense of community, but when all of your interaction with that game is you going on to Kickstarter, buying it and having it shipped direct mm-hmm. to your door I mean, unless you've got a bunch of friends that really want to play that game where's the community?
0: Yeah, exactly and you maybe play the game once or twice and then that's it you'll yep. languish on the shelf with the rest of the games, because we all do that <laughs>
1: Oh yeah, I mean yeah. you know we've got games that have not even opened yet. Yeah,
0: yeah. So uh, yeah, that that that's our concern, and it, it was really interesting actually. I think I've mentioned this before, but let's see last year when uh, Fantasy Flight were releasing Twilight Imperium uh, yeah. Fourth Edition, they had the documentary up on YouTube about the making of Twilight Imperium Fourth Edition, and and within that they actually talk about funding it through Kickstarter.
1: Uh, yeah, because they waived that as an option. Didn't they? they
0: did. They they came to the conclusion that Kickstarter was not designed for companies like Fancy Flight, which I actually kind of admire them for uh, uh, yeah, for, for coming up that coming up with that assertion. Uh, Fancy Flight, I, th- I think a pretty good company on the whole, but I they are so. one of th- they are one of the big boys of the industry, yeah. and they acknowledge that. Uh, and I kind of think you know, like Cool Mini or not, you you're in that league now, and
1: why so one of the the things that that Duncan from Tabletop Scotland pointed out Mm -hmm. to me the other night was that um, the only games that Cool Mini or not put onto Kickstarter are the ones that have minis in them Mm -hmm. so the Bloodborne card game, that just went straight to retail Mm -hmm. and the excuse that that they come up with for, for putting these games on kickstarter is that the as soon as you factor in minis to a game your production costs skyrocket
0: they do they do but you know in any other in any other industry right you know the business itself has to take some risk with it particularly any manufacturing business, right? Yeah, you're making you're making something. The business takes on a bit of a risk. They have to make the yeah, product yeah, you, before they sell it. You have to pierce the machines. It, or yeah, and know. if it doesn't work out, then you, you you've made a, a miscalculation there. By using Kickstarter, I, I get why they're doing it. It completely mitigates the risk. You effectively you're effectively selling your product before you've even gone to the um, you know gone gone to the manufacturers to make it. Yeah. So you know for a fact that okay, we've sold fifty thousand units. Uh it's gonna cost us X much to make and we're gonna make Y profit yeah. uh on it. So I I completely understand why they're doing it. I just I I just think it undermines the um the mission statement what the what the whole oh yeah purpose of Kickstarter. yeah i
1: mean the 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 methodology the the logic behind it makes perfect sense Mm. but but you're absolutely right why why should you be absolved of taking that financial risk
0: yeah exactly
1: yeah because but they it's it's not just cool money or not that do this to be we, fair We have. Um, we have. M- M- Mantic, uh do this regularly mm-hmm. and the they the, they use the same reasoning mm-hmm. that um the they they've said that they would love to go direct to retail but the financial risks are too high
0: for um, you know that that's that's just what they've said um, for the, I mean, for the record, neither of us have worked on the inside of the gaming industry. No, so, the, so. The,
1: the, you know, I, I'm, I'm fully willing to accept that there's maybe others at fa- factors at play that we've not considered, but that being said, there is no excuse for making your project Kickstarter exclusive.
0: Yeah, there, yeah. there just doesn't. And it's not just uh, hey, is the new Batman yeah. game is that well, a Kickstarter?
1: So, so that what they've said, the reason that Monolith have said that the Batman game is going to be Kickstarter exclusive, is because it would be too expensive for them to retail it. Huh? Well, I I know it, it. To me, it's complete nonsense because f- first of all, f- again, I've not. I, I will disclaimer this by saying I I have not played the game. Yeah. But I know people who have, and they say that it's just a reskin of the Conan game, right. which retails for ninety pounds. Okay. So, mate, you know, but they're both licensed games. Obviously, yeah. the Batman license is
0: probably costs a bit more. Costs a bit Fair more. bit more. But, but the,
1: the the same time, like the you know, can you imagine if Games Work Games Workshop said that? And yeah. the, like their their whole business model works around. Right, we've created this really big, massive scale scale game. So what we do is we just sell it to people in little pieces. Mm-hmm. So you you change the business model or you scale it back.
0: Yeah. I don't know. It it would be really interesting actually to hear the the point of view of uh, one of these larger companies, um, like Cool Mini or not or uh, or Monolith. Yeah, so
1: if if you are from uh, one of these larger companies that uses Kickstarter, like CoolMini or Not, or Monolith, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah. Or better yet, we'd love to have you on the show, and mm-hmm. we'd love to talk to you about, about Kickstarter and uh, your, your motivations for using it, the the pros and cons.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely, absolutely. Um, but anyway, I, th- I think with that, shall we, shall we draw this uh, this week's episode to a close? Yeah. Uh, yeah. yeah. So, <laughs> so little, like, a little
1: early, early finish. We're gonna,
0: yeah, we're gonna, <laughs> we're gonna slack off a little this week, but we've yeah. got some uh, got, got some great episodes coming up. We uh, took the laptop up with us to uh, Sterling to Common Ground Games, uh, and we've got Steve. The owner uh, on with us uh, chatting, chatting about the process of getting common ground off the ground, and uh, just his his uh, story with tabletop gaming. Yeah, uh, and of course uh, many more in the future. But uh, for now, thanks for listening, guys, and we'll catch you next time. Ciao.
1: We are Unlucky Frog Gaming, and I am Ben. Be sure to follow us on Facebook and Twitter, just search for Unlucky Frog Gaming. You can also show your support by giving us money through the Unlucky Frog Pod Pledge and Patreon. And be sure to check out our website, unluckyfrog.com, to find out more.